Charlotte, North Carolina is the setting for the most perplexing of mysteries. In an era before the convenience of Uber or Lyft, a young man accidentally leaves his wallet in a bar after the last call. When his calls for a ride from family and friends go unanswered, he heads out into the city on foot in chilly conditions and is never seen again. There are a number of missing persons cases right here in the Carolinas, and some have received more media attention than others. These are the stories that tug at our heartstrings, make us pray it never happens to anyone in our families, and wonder if there is still any way to find closure for these missing persons and their loved ones. I'm Renee Robertson. Please join me for Missing in the Carolinas. Every year on November 9th, the local media in Charlotte revisits the disappearance of Kyle Fleischman. I'm always one of those people tuned in, hoping for a positive update to one of the city's most mystifying cases. Marking the mysterious disappearance of a young man. Tomorrow marks 10 years since anyone has heard or seen from Kyle Fleshman. New tonight only on NBC Charlotte. It is one of Charlotte's biggest mysteries. 11 years later and we still don't know what happened to Kyle Fleshman. The 24 year old vanished after a night out with friends in uptown Charlotte. Surveillance video shows Kyle Fleischerman leaving a uh, bar in uptown Charlotte after a night out with the friends in 2007. Kyle Fleischman's picture has been shown on local and national TV for years. A 24-year-old college graduate who vanished without a trace. Despite video of his last known whereabouts and a $50,000 reward, his fate is still unknown. Picture this. You are 24 years old and feeling on top of the world. You've recently begun working as a health care recruiter purchased your first condo in a city you love, and head out to celebrate with friends and family at a comedy show. When the show ends, you figure it's still a little too early to call it a night. You and your group head over to a nearby bar to have a few drinks. You do a little dancing, socializing, and slowly the members of your posse start to head for their own respective homes. You're still not ready to leave. Before you know it, it's last call, and because you are disoriented from the alcohol you've consumed, you find yourself outside of the bar, alone, with no coat and no wallet. Kyle Fleischman, the oldest of the three Fleischman children, first moved to Charlotte with his family in 2000 for his dad's job with Fidelity Investments. He attended Charlotte Catholic High School and graduated from Elon University, a private college in Elon, North Carolina, where he majored in business administration. 
This is what the loved ones and investigators have been able to piece together about the night Kyle Fleischman disappeared on November 9, 2007, in Charlotte. Kyle's mother, Barbara, had been diagnosed with breast cancer the month before his disappearance, and he thought attending the Dane Cook comedy show in Uptown would help lift her spirits. Kyle organized the outing, and he and a group of friends met up at Daniel Scagnelli's home beforehand to have a few drinks. From there, they took taxis to the Bobcats Arena, now called the Spectrum Center. After the show, Kyle was in good spirits when the group arrived at the Buckhead Saloon, which was then located on East 5th Street. For the most part, those with Kyle that night report a fairly straightforward gathering at the Buckhead Saloon. Most of them left the bar to head home between the hours of 11 p.m. and 1 a.m. Daniel told Kyle he was leaving the bar at 1 a.m., but by then Kyle was dancing with a young woman and told his friend he wanted to stay a little bit longer. Records show Kyle called his sister at 2.19 a.m. before leaving the bar a minute later. Surveillance footage from the Buckhead Saloon showed Kyle leaving the bar without a coat. It was a chilly November night, and temperatures dropped to around 30 degrees. An employee from nearby Fuel Pizza placed Kyle there around 2.30, buying a few slices. He tried calling his father's office line three different times, which was odd because he must have known the line was off in the middle of the night. He called his friend Daniel at 3.28 a.m. and then his roommate Bruce at 3.29. He didn't leave voicemails for anyone he called, and his phone died around 4 a.m. Signals from his cell phone bouncing off two cell towers indicate that he was still in the uptown area when he made those calls. Everyone later realized he must have been desperate for someone to come and pick him up. The next morning, when Daniel woke up and realized Kyle's car was still in his driveway, he was left wondering what had happened to Kyle, especially after he noticed the missed call on his phone that came in well after last call. He began calling Kyle's friends and family, and they all realized they had missed calls from Kyle with no messages. Daniel created the first ever missing person page on Facebook, and it still exists today. He began organizing searches to take place in the area where Kyle disappeared, and over the course of those searches, hundreds of people volunteered to help, concerned about the young man, even though many had never even met him. Kyle's parents worked desperately to try and find their son in the days and weeks and months following his disappearance but the trail quickly went cold. Then, four years later, some new developments came to light thanks to the help of a private investigator they hired. And now, a word from our sponsor. By day, I work as a journalist and magazine editor, but I also enjoy creative writing and entering writing contests. If you like writing flash fiction and creative nonfiction, you should check out the contests over at WOW Women on Writing. They hold quarterly flash fiction contests where you can enter stories with a minimum of 250 words and a maximum of 750 and quarterly creative nonfiction essay contests. The entry fees for these contests are very reasonable and you can also purchase a critique to get more feedback on your writing once the contests conclude. Enter for your chance to win a variety of prizes from cash, 
to prizes donated by WOW partners that will help you improve your writing game. Winners are published and interviewed on the site. Learn more at wow-womenonwriting.com and click on the contest tab. Let's get back to our story. According to an interview with a private investigator on the show Crime Watch Daily, when Kyle's family later obtained the surveillance footage from the bar, they also noticed two men involved in what looked like a heated exchange with Kyle while he was dancing with the young woman Daniel had seen him with. They also viewed a surveillance tape that showed Kyle standing on the street outside Fuel Pizza, further confirming that he had indeed been there that night. There were other updates, too. A taxi driver that was working in the area that night came forward and said he had noticed a white male without a coat and matching Kyle's description on North Davidson Street. He was heading away from uptown and toward an area called Cordelia Park, a wooded 24-acre park located in the area of town called Noda. It was in the opposite direction of the Buckhead Saloon, and not somewhere Kyle would have needed to go walking. Kyle's family hired an independent team of scent dogs who were able to track Kyle from uptown to Cordelia Park, but after two days of searching, the head of the dog tracking organization said the amount of drug dealers in the park made it too dangerous for them to continue the search on the evening of the second day. The dogs led them the next day to an area under construction where massive amounts of dirt could be found. Police actually brought their own dogs in for an extensive search a few days later, but despite using ground-penetrating equipment, could not locate anything that would lead them to Kyle's remains. At the time, construction was underway on a condo complex there. According to a report by WCNC reporter Michelle Bowden, who traveled to Hilton Head Island to interview Dick and Barbara Fleischman last year, Noda was a neighborhood in transition at the time, undergoing a revitalization after years of sitting in less than favorable conditions. Dick and Barbara Fleischman now say they believe Kyle was the victim of a robbery on the night he disappeared and that his remains were hidden somewhere where the condo development construction was underway. Given the fact that Kyle apparently had nothing of value on him since he had left his wallet at the bar, this theory is heartbreaking. The theory of Kyle being buried in Noda does correlate with where scent dogs tracked Kyle and the direction the taxi driver saw Kyle walking in. I'll post the link to the True Crime Daily video on my website under the case notes for this episode at missinginthecarolinas.com and you can view what the dog handlers had to say about the search. Now before I continue with the most recent theories in Kyle's case, I wanted to talk about a very similar disappearance that took place in Columbus, Ohio. I mention it because the very first time I heard about it, I did a double take, because the story seemed so eerily familiar to me. Basically, Brian Schaefer is to Columbus, Ohio, what Kyle Fleischman is to Charlotte, North Carolina. A year before Kyle disappeared, a 27-year-old Ohio State medical student named Brian Schaefer went missing after a night out drinking with friends on April 1st, 2006. Video surveillance showed him going up an escalator that led to the Ugly Tuna Saluna in downtown Columbus. 
but investigators could never confirm that they had seen him leaving the bar on that same escalator. Brian had lost his own mother to cancer only three weeks prior to his disappearance. He was also under a lot of stress from his rigorous studies in med school. On the night in question, Brian and his former roommate and the roommate's girlfriend started the evening off at the Ugly Tuna Saluna around 9 p.m. Brian spoke on the phone to his girlfriend, who was out of town that weekend. Then the group bar hopped in the area before eventually catching a ride back to the Ugly Tuna. Brian is caught on that surveillance camera around 1.15 a.m. heading up the escalator. His friends lost track of him, and calls they made to his cell phone were unanswered. When Brian failed to arrive at the airport for a trip he had planned the following Monday for spring break, his family reported him missing. Investigators never figured out if they simply missed Brian leaving the bar on that escalator, if his face or head were obscured, or if he exited the building through the only other door that led directly into a construction site. In the days that followed, police searched the area between the Ugly Tuna and Brian's apartment near Ohio State's campus. They questioned all his friends and family, checked hospitals and homeless shelters, etc., etc., There have been leads and tips over the years, and a reward for information about his disappearance has grown to more than $100,000, but still nothing. As I learned more about Brian's case, my mind made a few connections. Two upwardly mobile, clean-cut young men in their mid to late 20s, one of whose mom had just been diagnosed with cancer and the other whose mom had just died from cancer. Both disappeared from bars that are now closed. Both were caught on surveillance cameras. Both may have headed off into a city, intoxicated in the early morning hours. Neither were the type of people who would have simply taken off and started new lives elsewhere. It's very unusual. Back to Kyle's story. The Fleischmans have continued to work with the private investigator over the years, and have received information as a result, but nothing that can be proven conclusively. Dick has definitively told the news station WTBTV that he believes his son is deceased. There were no signs that he would have left to start a new life, especially as his mother had just started her battle with breast cancer back in 2007. There is still a public Facebook page for Kyle up and running, titled, Help Find Kyle Fleischman where Dick tries to comment where he can. As recently as November 9, 2019, Dick posted, 12 years ago today, always thinking of you. R.I.P. But if you scroll farther down the page, you'll find theories from comments about what happened to Kyle. Some of them made me stop and take pause. One poster pointed out that most of the time with the random acts of violence that occur in this area of town, the victims are usually left out in the open. The killers don't normally go to the trouble of moving or disposing of a victim's body, especially in the case of a random robbery. This comment made a lot of sense to me based on the news reports I've read of random acts of violence in Charlotte. Someone else had a theory that Kyle was a victim of a hit-and-run, and maybe the driver panicked and disposed of his body elsewhere. Because he was intoxicated, he could have walked into the path of an unsuspecting driver. 
Or he could have wandered off the main road and into one of the wooded areas in Noda and died of exposure or another accident. That's actually the scenario that sticks with me the most. However, all the theories make sense, but they come no closer to helping solve the mystery of what happened to Kyle Fleischman. These days, Noda looks much different than it did in 2007, the year Kyle may have disappeared into it. A condominium can run you upwards in the $200,000 range. I even read recently that there's a new townhouse development planned for the neighborhood called Poe. The point of difference from the Rock Hill-based developer, by Fiorenza, provides with each of their communities is that they add an element of poetry to every one of its projects. Therefore, the 29-unit development planned in Noda will pay tribute to the late writer, Edgar Allan Poe. According to an article I read in Charlotte 5, Poe will feature a modern and largely monochromatic aesthetic mixed with pops of wood and white, and units will be topped with rooftop decks. The common areas will also include a Tim Burton-inspired courtyard. Noda is a changed community indeed. Perhaps we'll never know what happened to Kyle Fleischman, and that makes this case all the more painful for his loved ones. At the time of this recording, he is one of 14 cases of missing males highlighted by the Charlotte-Mecklenburg Police Department's Missing Persons Unit. Kyle Fleischman was last seen on November 9, 2007. At the time, he was approximately 6 feet tall and weighed about 180 pounds. He had brown hair and green eyes. He was wearing a black short-sleeved t-shirt, jeans, and black dress shoes. The Charlotte-Mecklenburg Police Department asks that anyone with information about this case reach out to Crime Stoppers at 704-334-1600. A private reward has been set up through the Charlotte-Mecklenburg Crime Stoppers program totaling $50,000 for information leading to the whereabouts of Kyle Fleischman. And that brings us to the conclusion of this episode of Missing in the Carolinas. If you enjoyed the show, please do me a favor and give it a five-star rating wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'll also be dropping bonus episodes a few times a month, so hit the subscribe button and you'll never miss an episode. If you want to check out my blog and read more about true crime cases from all over the country, including the ones featured here, visit missinginthecarolinas.com. And don't forget to check out our sponsor, WOW Women on Writing, and the great programs and writing contests they have to support writers at www.wow-womenonwriting.com. Cover art for this podcast was designed by Macintosh Multimedia. All episodes are researched and written by me, Renee Robertson, with sound editing provided by Mia Robertson. Join me next week when I'll be dropping a bonus episode about my experience at MurderCon, a writing conference, and also a case from South Carolina. Thank you so much for listening.